0: Well, I just have one question for you. Are you ready to win? Winning with Waterfall Racing Podcast is all about helping you achieve your goals through our community. We have an incredible community of top age groupers, of beginners, of the most incredible pros. And we all come together to support each other. And we want you to be a part of the journey with us
1: my name is emily schmidt and i have been a part of the joint actually joined the waterfall racing team um this year um and have absolutely loved everything about being a part of this amazing community
0: As you know, triathlon is addicting. It's addicting because we become addicted to bettering ourselves, to growing ourselves, to seeing how far we can push the limits of our physical capabilities and it starts with the mental mindset as well. The strength begins there. So come with us as we learn about health, as we learn about tips, as we learn about gear, as we learn about what our pros are up to, and as most importantly, we support each other through this journey. Welcome to the Waterfall Racing Podcast. Well, are you ready for this episode? It is race week for the 70.3 World Championship in St. George. And like every race week and the days leading up to it, it has been absolutely nutsy for me. I actually have a medical conference five hours away in Savannah uh, this weekend, and then we'll be turning right back around making sure I have everything packed and jumping on a really early flight to head out to St. George. So I think the eye twitches are more over wrapping up the work than the nerves leading into a race. I don't even think I've gotten there yet. I'm just trying to get out of here. But I'm really excited today to bring you two guests that I think are perfect for a pre-race week interview and it starts with our champion mindset discussion, um, bringing to you. Dana Cavalier, Coach Dana Cavalier, he's the former director of strength and conditioning for the New York Yankees. He actually led them through the World Series to victory in 2009 over the Philadelphia Phillies. He was also voted by his peers for the Nolan Ryan Award. He is now a coaching consultant to top companies, to top CEOs, to executives, to top athletes. And he's somebody that I met uh, via a mutual friend on LinkedIn That you know, he just really caught my attention, and I started following his content. Uh, We connected, he actually sent me his book when it first came out, and then since then, listening to his podcast, watching his YouTube, I've kind of felt like he's been my coach along the way, even though we've never, uh, you know, officially had a coaching session, we've just kind of messaged here and there and kept in touch. So, I'm really excited to to hear from him today and I think it's going to be something that encourages all of us as we finish out this race this race season strong and then following that I have Jeannie Metzler who was second last year at 70.3 worlds she had an epic finish to that race taking over Taylor Nib there right at the end and i just wanted to get a race recap from her and she has some really good insight so take a listen let's jump right in all right well i am here with coach dana Cavalier, and uh you know it's funny because i consider you my coach and and you know we've really never even had one coaching session but i think we met uh it's gotta been three years now uh through scott mcgregor on linkedin Uh, it's when you, your book came out, you actually mailed me your book, uh, and you wrote in there, you're a champion. Don't ever forget it. And you signed it. And, um, you know, that was super impactful. I, I, you know, since then I, I would follow all your content and you guys, he's the type of coach that like that hardcore football coach, where there's days where I would get in the car, you know, maybe not being in the best mindset. And I turn on his podcast and before just a few sentences in, I'm laughing because he's like calling me out, um, you know, with some of your things, like, don't be a loser. Don't, you know, don't have a pity party for yourself. No one's going to coddle you that type of approach. And I just love it because it's, it's what I need so much. So thank you coach for uh, sure. being that, <laughs> um, to me, I, I appreciate that so much. But so you, you know, here uh, in the introduction, you heard he is no stranger to the absolute elite performers, uh, you know, being with the New York Yankees, uh, taking them to a championship and, and being with those top performers. He knows what it takes and he can probably easily spot, uh, you know, the differences in the, in the type of performers that are out there and your book Habits of a Champion I just want you to go into, you know, what are some of the first things you would pick up on an athlete, maybe when they first walk into the locker room, or you first start to see some of, you know, their habits? What are some of the things that would stand out to you to where you say, you know, this guy's going to go somewhere or no, this guy's
2: not going to make the cut? Yeah, you know, I, I say there's two things. Uh, number one, it's like the great performers, there's an energy that comes off of them. You just feel it. Like when they walk in the room, even if you're on the other side of the room and your back is towards the door, you know that they walked in. There's like this energy field that comes off of them. That's amazing. Actually, I remember back in 2004 when A Rod joined our team, I was in the training room and I, uh, I just I looked to the door and I saw this like Adonis of a man. I'm like, man, he's beautiful. And you could feel this like power coming off of him. And um I, I learned in that moment I said, you know, there's an energy and there's also just a way in which champion performers carry themselves. Mm-hmm. And some of them are are aware of it. They're aware of, hey, I this is how I carry myself and I and I practice this. Um, and for others, it just comes very natural to them. So uh, if it doesn't come natural to somebody, it is something that, that you should practice. How do I show up? How do I carry myself? And, and it's a question that you have to ask because sometimes we, we don't know. I, joy something I always say is that I, I believe many of us as, as humans, right? We have like a default way in which we live. Mm-hmm. And I feel like great performers challenge that mm-hmm. default nature. Because default often takes us to, um, like, what's easy. Right. But if if you are always doing what's easy, you become become a mush. Yeah,
0: stagnant. (laughs) Yeah, you become stagnant, for sure.
2: So anyway, it's an energy, and it's a a way in which a champion carries himself that I find to be very distinguishing factors. And you say, wow, that person's going to go somewhere. I don't know where, but they look like they're ready to win.
0: Do you think it's, it's, you know, is it part of the confidence? Is it because, you know, they, they do have such a drive or they, you know, they kind of feel that calling within that they were made for something greater and it's just a matter of figuring out how to gain the tools, gain the experience to be able to step into that space?
2: Well, if you know what you're great at and you have great clarity and visibility around what you're great at, you're not searching for anything outside of that. Right. So I, I, again, I find so many people, even at athletes at a high level, the ones that aren't amazing and great, like they're always looking for the next tool. They're always looking for the next toy, the next gadget, the next coach, the next trainer. And that could get you in actually trouble. Most people think, well, I'm a seeker. That's good. But you can overseek. seek and, and sometimes in trying to always find what's next and what's more, you may miss what's in front of you and you may overlook just how basic being great at anything really is. And and I have just found like all skill acquisition, it starts with basic fundamentals. So like when coaches get too fancy and too creative, those are oftentimes not the coaches that are hyper-focused on the fundamentals. And every coach I've ever um worked with and have been around that's been excellent, whether it's training tennis players, whether it's training triathletes, whether it's training skiers or whatever the sport right they they focus very, very heavily on mastery of fundamental behavior and fundamental and the fundamentals uh, yeah, not so much yeah. on the flash yeah,
0: yeah, no, that makes sense, and it's funny i'll I'll um relate that to the triathlon world you know there's so many. Gadgets and gear, you know, even from our running shoes to, you know, our bikes to the nutrition to the testing to everything and all of that is super important and it really can help you, you know, level up. But at the same time, you know, I've been at, I remember I was at a, the um, a 70.3 at Oceanside and the female pro that crossed and got the, the fastest run split, I looked down and she had like a pair of Fila's on. She was from a, a, you know, from a Hispanic country.
2: Mm-hmm. And,
0: you know, it was like, I didn't know Phila still even made shoes, you know, like everyone's wearing the Nike carbon this and that. And yet she had the best run split. I mean, she was running like it was a 5k and she didn't have the biggest, fanciest shoes on, you know? Um, and so you're right, it's it's important, you know, why those things are helpful, and, and you want to be looking for the tools, there's the the basic fundamentals that we need to focus and, yeah. and, and really, you know, make sure those are those are strong within us. Um, now, the other thing you talk about a lot, which I, I love to talk about, too, is consistency, I, you know, I close the podcast every time with consistency is always king. And, I, I would I would I can't even imagine, you know, going into, you know, the World Series two thousand nine, huge, huge all eyes are on especially, you know, baseball. Baseball is a sport that, you know, triathlon unfortunately hasn't gotten the you know the publicity that it deserves. But when you think of baseball World Series, the pressure, the you know, the contracts, the sponsors, everything on the line for these elite performers going into these um, going into the series, how you talk about consistency, how does consistency play into how they're able to handle that pressure and be able to kind of shut all that out and focus on you know what they've worked for all year?
2: Yeah. Well again, there's a lot of talk about consistency, and I feel like it's oftentimes spoken of in a very incomplete manner because if you think about consistency, what are we talking about, right? We're con- talking about consistency of habit. We're talking about consistency of behavior. We're talking about uh, consistency of mindset and approach, consistency even in like the, your own personal esteem and consistency in your own knowingness of what you're going to do. Um, so, so there's consistency is a very loaded word. And I'm always big on deconstructing words like that and saying, okay, what does it actually mean? And, you know, it reminds me of, you know, our our team back, let's go back to 2009 when the Yankees won the championship against the um, Philadelphia Phillies. You know, I, I still remember like being in Philadelphia. um, I want to say it was game four, uh, and then come being in in New York for game five. And like, I still had a whole weight room of players training, like just because tonight we could actually win and be done for the season or we could be eliminated. It didn't matter. It was, Hey, I am consistent in my approach because when I'm consistent in my approach, when I'm consistent in my routine, it gives me confidence, right? It gives me a belief in myself and it lets me know that I did all that I I could do in order to be as great as I can be right now, at this point in my training journey. Right. And, you know, when you think of, of consistency, you ask yourself, hey, how can I apply this word to my life and what does it look like? Right. right, And, you know, there's usually only like about maybe three to five things that you need to be consistent in. And that's where your focus should be. Right? And, and then you put them into a routine, you put them into your daily schedule and everything becomes very habitual. Um, and then you just have to execute. I I remember working with a player uh, by the name of Mark Teixeira and uh, he was really struggling. And I said, Tex, what are you going to do differently? And he said, nothing. I'm just going to keep executing on my routine because mm-hmm. I know that the hits will come. I'll eventually get to where I want to go if I stay consistent in my routine. And, and that's the biggest thing. There's, there's, Reasons why we can't be consistent all over the place if we give focus to those reasons. My, right. my kids, the weather, um, you know, my equipment, my shoes, right? There's like a million things you could think of that could right. go wrong. Right, could be the reason you don't train today or right. could be the reason why you don't do what you have to do. But right. that would, you know, basically say, well, I'm giving excuses as to why I'm not going to be consistent. Right, right.
0: No, that's key. And I'll unwrap that, um, you know, by saying that's one of the biggest things, you know, I've noticed, you know, I'm a big believer in upping your baseline to where you want to go. And, and so it's one of the reasons I launched this podcast. One of the reasons I joined the waterfall community is, you know, to now have interaction and, and be around the pros one of the biggest things I've seen from them that was different is they don't let anything take their power. Like you're saying, you know, like where before I would say, Oh, it's raining. I have a track scheduled. I'm not going to be able to do my track session. Mm -hmm. No, you know, my coach or the pros would be like, it might be raining on race day. Why would you not go do the track session? Don't let the rain take your power. Right. They don't let anything take their power from what they're going to do. Um, Like you were saying, you know, you can't blame it on anything and and you keep that consistency. Um, Something else that I noticed, too, um, and I want you to touch on is you were saying when it comes to consistency, it's so important that our emotional, you know, our emotions stay consistent. You know, the highs, you know, the highs, the lows. And how could that affect us if we're letting our emotions go all over the place, especially when it comes to performance?
2: Yeah, well, I want to put a star next to that, too, because that that could be interpreted as, hey. Let me choke out my emotions. Like, you know, there's there's people that run hot and there's people that 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 don't. And if you're somebody that runs hot, I always say you you gotta let you gotta let that animal out. Um, I was coaching a CEO um, last year and we're we're training and literally it's six in the morning and and I said, let it out, let it out. And literally he's on the treadmill and just <laughs> Screaming, letting it out. I said, <laughs> you, you got, you got to let that out because you know you got to have some kind of a, an, a release, right? Because all of that can build up inside of you. So you got to let it out. Because sometimes, you know, athletes, people, right? They choke out their emotion. They say, I can't get too high, I can't get too low, which is a chapter in my book. But and they and they fight to be at neutral. But you also have to allow your your emotions to. Um, it's okay for them to come up. Yeah. But you got you know, but allow them to come back down. It's when we stay too high or when we stay too low that we either become a raging animal or we become depressed. It's right. It's okay to get high and it's okay to get low. But you have to always get to what I call your line of neutrality, your line of emotional neutrality, which sits, it's like that's your baseline. You're gonna get high. You're going to get low but you always return to base and that is a that's a trained response yeah and i tell people think about that line of emotional neutrality what is neutral for you what is what is your neutral state right not as an athlete sometimes or as a high performer or as a type a individual which i know you know a lot of folks that are involved with you know your community it's like yep. they're running a schedule all the time all day it's <clears throat> right you got to give yourself permission too to 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 just let things happen right yeah. there's also part of it sometimes we get so rigid that we actually can jack our own emotions up because we're actually like so rigid that when something doesn't go our way right away we shoot up right and we right. shoot down right so there's you know it's it's emotional management but the goal is to always get back to what i call that center line the line of emotional neutrality what is it define it for yourself if you haven't already and and work to create a visual of like hey like what is it what am i like mentally what am i like physically how do i feel when i'm in a state of neutral
0: right 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 no no, that's a that's a game changer And, and you know i think um You know, as the nerves and everything get up for big events for the big day, um, you know, like you said, allow, uh, you know, know your baseline. It might go up, it might go down, but it's super important to start, um, you know, back down in that center area and, and take on the day. Uh, I think sometimes too, we can put so much emphasis on the one day, you know, it's like we've trained so hard and for us, you know, it could be months and months of training for just one event, you know, an event where in triathlon, so many things can go wrong. You know, you could have a flat tire, you could, you know, someone could pull in front of you, you could wreck, I mean, there's so many things you could have GI issues, you know, your body could just not show up that day. There's so many factors that could go wrong after training months and months for one thing um, that it's super important that you just show up stable and realize, you know, whatever comes today, I'm going to get back to the center and I'm going to just handle it the best I can, but I'm not going to go into it anxious about what's going to happen or creating these scenarios that haven't even happened yet. Right. We'll just take it as it comes.
2: (laughs) Yeah, And and that's again, but that goes against the natural, I guess, mindset of most you know again i i use the word type a it's not an insult but like rigid type a people right. they want predictability they want to know and the rules, right so <laughs> yeah. so that personality type is not often one that accepts accepts things for what they are they're like i'll change it i'll make it right and and, yeah. you, can, and, and you can get so fast and so aggressive that it takes you out of your own zone
0: yeah, yeah, I'll tell you. I'll tell you a funny story. So, um, Saint George Ironman was the beginning of the year. It was the you know the World Championship that was rescheduled from Kona, and uh, the the ride was tough. I mean, it was long. There was a lot of climbs. There was literally a guy as we rode by that I guess got so frustrated. I don't know if he had a flat tire or what, but he picked up his bike, and he threw it into the canyon. <laughs> <laughs> i mean so yeah he was definitely one of those that just went off the charts and was like that's it i'm done and i mean those bikes are so expensive you know i'm thinking what are you doing yeah um uh, but yeah he definitely let i'll never forget that he definitely let the the day
2: and the frustration get the best of him. yeah probably um, because he doesn't let it out any other time <laughs> <laughs> Just bang, you know oh man i'm thinking how's
0: he gonna get back you know he didn't think that far you know we're like uh, 80 miles out here how's he thinking he's going to get back um but anyway um so so wrapping it up um the last thing I want to touch base on with you is you know how did you coach how did you coach these elite performers through the disappointments through the losses through you know we worked so hard we were so close and that game didn't turn out like we thought it would how do you bring them back from that and keep them motivated to go on
2: well, the biggest thing is, you know, it's this line, right? You got to know the game in which you play, right? And the game in which you play will have wins and it'll have losses. It'll have days I feel great and days that I don't feel great. And if you have the illusion or the delusional thought process that A, everything's going to go great and B, you're going to feel great every day, you're insane. Mm-hmm. So it's it's actually, there'll be more days when you don't feel great. Mm -hmm. and you feel great and there'll be always a great chance that something will go different than your game plan it's like mike tyson says hey it's you know it's great to have a plan until you get punched in the face (laughs) right and and there's a truth to that i remember working with a, a pitcher hall of famer mike Musina, and he said uh the days that i'm out in the bullpen before a game and i throw great in the bullpen and I feel great. I know are going to be my crappiest games. Wow. And the days when I kind of feel crappy out in the bullpen before the game, those are my best games. Wow. And you know what? What he said to me. You know, we dug we dug deeper into that, and it's like you know sometimes when you're not feeling your best, you have to reach down for something that you didn't know you had. Mm. It dials your focus in a bit more. It's like. When you start to feel tired when you start to feel a cramp when you start yeah. to feel something you have a choice right you get to an intersection at that point do i choose to look at this as something that is an inhibitor of performance mm-hmm. or do i choose to look at this as something that's a part of performance right and i gotta look a little bit deeper and do something a little bit different to get to the to the to the finish line
0: yeah yeah, yeah. every race
2: right no matter what the distance you're going to have something like that. I, I remember, I'm, I'm not a big uh, racer, but uh, you might laugh at this, but I did a 5K for like yeah. a Thanksgiving run years ago, and I looked at all these people, and I, I said, ah, man, I'm, a, I'm an athlete. I could probably kick the crap out of half these people. I, <laughs> I have a good chance of winning this race, Un, untrained, by the way. <laughs> and boom, the gun goes off, and I run right to the front. And I got to tell you, like about a mile in, it was like somebody pulled a parachute <laughs> and put lead boots on me, and I was like, "Okay, we're gonna have to change this plan right away." <laughs> and what I did was, I, I made a commitment right away. I said, "I'm finishing this race." Yeah. And, and that was the commitment. So in the moment, right, I felt the pain, the fatigue, everything. I made a commitment. I will finish this race. So yeah. that was that was as good as done. And then I said, "Okay, I'm gonna slow everything down," and I started focusing on. On A, I'm finishing the race, and B, if I focus on regulation of my body, right, regulating my breath, I knew that I could actually buffer out a lot of the lactic acid just through breathing.
0: Yeah, and I actually
2: started to get my legs back under me. Yeah, I started to go. So it's really like performance is about also a realization in the moment. Yeah. Like, hey, we're not going to always win, um, but but we can we can always reestablish what it is we're going to do. and and adjust in the moment like so many people it doesn't go right it doesn't go right and it's doomed forever and that's that is a total lie right
0: right right no 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 that's a that's a great approach i'll give an example i forget who it was but it was um you know a lot of times i hear the athletes when things go wrong like maybe they have a bad swim or they have a flat tire and you know they already know they don't have a chance at winning the race they stay committed to but you know what i'm still going to show up and try to get the best run split i ever had you know and there's not that okay i'm done let me just you know give up who cares it's i'm still going to make the most out of what's left of this race and and be, be able to leave knowing that i gave it my all in that and that's what you're talking about it's a whole different shift in yeah. how I take it and how i take it and and to your point too everybody will tell you the race doesn't start until it's like those last few miles when the pain kicks in and you know that's when the race starts that's actually what differentiates our you know endurance athletes is for us that's when it starts because that's what that's the separator that's the separator right there is when the pain starts
2: yeah is um, it because it, it's going to require something right. different right, right for that last bout for you to right. get through it and in order to um you know in, in order to get to to the point of victory Right, right. That's when it starts. That's when it starts.
0: Well, Coach, thanks so much for being with us. And where can people find you um, if they want more? I know you, you know, you offer um, coaching uh, communities, you offer coaching to executives, to companies. Uh, Then you're on Instagram, you have a podcast to share everywhere that people can find you.
2: Yes. So I, I, uh, well, my books, Habits of a Champion, Habits of a Champion Team are on Amazon. And then uh, also my website, danacavalier.com. I do a daily a daily blog slash newsletter that's motivational, a little touch point of coaching every day. And uh, I do all my other stuff there too. YouTube, uh, podcast, all all the good stuff. But uh, I'm gonna just leave it with this. Everything that I do is meant to have a practical um, a practical use case to it. It's not theory, it's not, you know, you know what you should try. it's it's all it's tested in the field. that That's my goal for everything that I put out.
0: Right, right. And that's why we had you on here. So thanks so much for your time. Um, You know, we'll definitely have to have you back at some follow up at some point. We appreciate you. And uh, if you listen to this podcast, you know, we need a little whistle to start or something. I love the way it starts with a whistle gets you in the mood uh, to, to be ready to be called out. I love it. I love it. Thanks, coach. Thanks, Joy. I'm excited to have Jeannie Metzler with us on here. Just at the time of this recording, we are nine days out from the 70.3 World Championship in St. George, and there's no better person to have on to give us some race strategy than Jeannie Metzler, who is currently the second female leader in the world. She finished second last year at the World Championship, and so I just wanted to have her on here to just give us some insight into the course. So Jeannie, thanks so much for taking the time. And I know you mentioned um, before we started for re-recording that this is one of your favorite courses. So just start with that and then we'll get started into the the swim, bike and run. Okay, sounds
3: good. Well, thank you so much for having me. As you mentioned, yes, this is definitely one of my favorite courses out there. Um, I love St. George and I've raced there several times. So I'm definitely bummed to be missing it out this year um, just due to injury. Um, But yeah, hopefully I can give you some tips um, as you take on this course. I know that it's it's later this year, so I feel like it's going to be a cooler race. Um, So there are some tips I can give you just to prepare you for the cooler conditions. Um, But yeah, I think, you know, as you go into the final days of a world championship, you should just honestly feel like you've done the work and just try and enjoy it. I think just going into, to a big race like that, I think, um, if you put too much expectations on yourself, I feel like that kind of ruins your experience. So if you can go there with the, with the intention of just really just being grateful to. To be doing this amazing sport on the, the, the big stage and um, on such a beautiful course, I think that's a really good, great place to start your race.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. And you're right. I mean, St. George is one of those courses that even though you're grinding it out on the bike, you can't help but take a second and it takes your breath away because it's so beautiful as you're you know, coming yeah. up and down those those um, those mountains Mm -hmm. so uh, this year you're you're exactly right it's going to be a lot cooler uh the last I pulled up it was going to be in the 30s race morning for the women yes uh what what would you do in, in the colder races you've done you know is how important is it that we stay warm like right up until we get into the water while we're doing all the things stay moving what's your strategy on a colder race morning I mean, I've raced in St. George where it's been super
3: cold, so I know how important it is to make sure that you prepared for that. Um, My first tip would be to try and get into the water race week, just to feel how cold the water is, um, just so your body can just kind of get that shock in your system. Um, Maybe not the day before, but maybe if you can, even like, a few days prior, just to get a feel for the water. Um, that would be my first tip. And then if you haven't raced in St. George before, um, there's two transitions. And basically on race morning, they make you take a little school bus to San Halo, um very early in the morning and For those um, women or men who are racing later, so because the pros go first, if you're you obviously racing a little bit later, so you're going to be hanging out there for quite a while. So, I think making sure that you're nice and warm, um, not only just like while you're waiting to race, but. Warming up your body and making sure your body temperature is kind of staying warm before you actually start racing because you don't want your body temperature to or your core body temperature to drop and then you're gonna go in the cold water. It's um it's not a great feeling. I've done that before and it's kind of hard to come back from. Yeah.
1: That. Um, yeah.
3: So my suggestion would be to honestly like you gotta have a good puffy jacket, um, a beanie, gloves. Um, I would honestly suggest toe covers for, for the bike. Um, and potentially even a vest if you get super cold, if you know yourself and you know you you get super cold. Um, but, yeah, I mean, once you get to transition and you're set up and stuff, I I would time it in a way where if you're not going to get into the water for a swim warmer, I would suggest, like, either going for a short little jog, just trying to get your, your body temperature up and just keep moving um, and it would also be super helpful if you have a support personnel there with you. So you can, um, last minute, just drop kind of some layers before you get into the water. Um, if that makes sense. And I hope I'm not going too fast, but,
0: um, no, that's good. That's if good. You,
3: stuff. I, I would suggest also just getting into your wetsuit. Um, because it's nice and warm so you can just yeah. kind of hang out in your wetsuit even keep your socks on have some gloves have a beanie so just you know your hands and feet are really important to keep warm um and I also like um there's these disposable hand warmers that you kind of rub and then they're like they get warm and then you can throw them away last week. oh yeah I would suggest that um, cause I get super cold. So this is just for someone that. <laughs> a South African and I know myself very
0: well so I like to be warm <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah no I'm with you I'm with you, you yes. know it's funny I did mm-hmm. I did so much heat training this summer and then I didn't even end up having a hot race even augusta was pretty mm-hmm. mild I was planning on augusta being cold and it was pretty mild and then now here we are and st George is going to be cool too so yeah I'm especially on the cold side um having worked on so much heat training this summer yeah. so yeah I will I will do all those things you suggested those are great tips yeah so then coming out of the water um you know onto the bike uh you suggested toe warmers you know starting off do you do you take is there any other different strategy for jumping on the bike and you know you know it's going to be cold and I think it pretty much you go down a, a straightaway for a little while and then we start climbing yeah Um, so yeah I
3: mean I would also just be prepared for the first bit of the swim to be like super cold like ice cream headache cold (laughs) and then just you know just keep moving don't don't slow down you just got to keep that that body temperature up and um what I've done in the past too is like um I even put even a plastic bag or a I think it's called like a space blanket. You can put inside your tri-suit by your chest to keep your oh. chest nice and warm. And then once you start heating up on the bike, you can throw that at an aid station and make sure you do that at an aid station because you don't want to get it yeah. Um But yes, getting onto the bike, you want to just kind of like you know like i'm i'm saying just keep your body temperature up so you want to keep moving don't try and don't go out too hard but you know you just get moving um and i would just keep an eye on the the weather app before and just i don't know if you're a super cold person i would take the time to put on little gloves yeah um and potentially even socks if you feel yeah. like that's going to help you because, um, yeah, it, it's not fun being cold and then you just kind of like shut down and then you right. can take in your nutrition and stuff. So that would be my suggestion. And you can even like get gloves that are like really cheap ones from Target that you can throw away at an aid station.
0: Right, um, right, right. Um right.
3: But depending on how cold it is, um, because it is going to warm up. um, And then I would also suggest just like, because it is going to be cooler, I don't think you're going to drink as much because that's just like how how it is. But you need to make sure that your calorie intake or your carbohydrate per hour is still the same. So you kind of got to make that up in gels or chews or whatever your nutrition plan is, because you don't want to be low on carbohydrate going into the run. Otherwise you can just feel so low on energy and you Good still have point. the climb in snow
0: Canyon coming up. So right. Right. Um, now, how would you suggest getting to snow Canyon? Really? Um, I know there's that one, uh, well, once we come out of the straightaway, there's a, a steady climb up the highway. There's a few other climbs, but really the main climb that that stands out on that course is snow Canyon. Um, so just walk us through that.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's kind of undulating until you get to Snow Canyon, but um, yeah, like Snow Canyon, it's an honest climb, but um, I would just try and think in your mind, oh, I just want to go up here nice and steady, not too hard. Um, I don't want to like really like blow a match going right. up there, but you want to just be nice and strong. And, um yeah because at the top it's going to be a descent right into t2 so um you want to just be really strong at that climb and make sure that you you haven't gone out too hard in the beginning portion of the bike course because then that climb is going to be also just really really tough so um i always like to really be mindful of my pacing on this course because it is super honest. Um, and if you go out a bit too hard in the earlier stages, you're definitely going to pay for it on the run. So I would say be patient, um, try and build your whole race, your whole day. Um, and yeah, just also just try and enjoy it because it's super beautiful up there. So um, it really is. yeah. And then it's kind of like this, long descent into into transition um as you go on to the run
0: (laughs) right okay now the run um the 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 difference this year is i know they've dropped um you know some of the the climb and i think we're at about 700 only about 700 feet gain on the run which is you know quite a significant difference than than last year but still you know this it's still hills uh we're taking them how do you take hills, Jeannie, when, you know, when you, you do your hill training, but do you, do you try to stay at the same pace? Do you, do you pull back a little bit? Do you go off a of field when you come to the hills? What's your, your run strategy when it comes to a hilly course?
3: I mean, I always run by feel, so I'm I'm very unique in that sense where I just I like to run that way. Um, that I know that <laughs> sometimes it's very easy to go out a bit too hard on this course, and it, I think it is two laps uh, if I am correct. Yes. Um, exactly. So you want to just go with the mindset of you want to like build again. So you want to be kind of patient. Um, and not go out too hard where you're like really breathing very heavily. You know, you want to, the, the word is strong in my mind. Okay. I just want to be strong. Think of your quick feet, quick feet at the climb. Um, make sure you're taking in nutrition at the aid stations and, um, just building, um, every, every, every mile, if you can, that, that would be
0: my suggestion. Right, right. And the thing is, it is nice. I like I kind of like the two loop because you kind of once you do one, then you can feel like you know exactly, you know, what's left. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can really, you know, in my case, then you you truly know, okay, I know exactly what the second loop's going to be like, and you can work on your pacing for that to finish strong. Um, and then, you know, here's the thing, too. I know you're in a dry climate. But for us coming from humidity, sometimes it's easy to to feel you know like feel like because we're not sweating so much and it's a dry heat mm-hmm. to maybe not take in as much you know of the electrolytes and the, the nutrition that we need um so you know h- how do you gauge uh you know the difference between a, a human race and a dry a dry race
3: um yeah i mean uh, obviously in more human conditions your sweat loss is going to be higher, um, but- Yeah, if I would suggest dialing in your nutrition specifically to you. And um, it would be helpful to know how much sodium you actually lose per hour because um, it's super important knowing how much salt, carbohydrate and fluid you need per hour. Um, And now that you're in a situation where it's going to be cooler... And maybe less humid if you are coming from a more humid climate, you want to, like, I would just suggest that you make sure you're getting enough carbohydrate and knowing that, okay, I might be drinking a little bit less. I know that I need maybe a few more gels or chews, whatever your nutrition plan is, but also making sure that you topped up on on sodium because you don't want to be cramping either. It can still happen. You are still sweating. Um, So knowing your numbers, and I mean, if you haven't tasted that now, um, yeah, it's kind of tricky to give you advice on on that point, but I would just maybe... um, have have some salt tabs or base salt on hand in case you are feeling a little twingy in your muscles like a cramp may be coming on then maybe you can kind of save that with some salt
0: having that on hand right 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 well Jeannie thank you so much for all these great tips um we're super excited I know for some people it it might kind of feel like an aftermath because they're coming from Kona and now they're coming to one more championship. But uh, for those of us who didn't do Kona, this is, you know, kind of our big dance of the year to finish our our race season for some of us. So uh, these tips are so helpful and uh, thanks for taking the time to jump on here and Uh, we'll catch up with you later. And I just want to say also, this is, this is what's so cool about being part of the waterfall racing community is, you know, you get access to people like Jeannie and Jeannie, I'll tell you one of the biggest things you helped me with. um, I love our discord channel, how we can get on there and kind of ask, ask the pros questions. And at one point I was kind of having problems with my Achilles and I couldn't track down. I was like, why is my Achilles bothering me so much? And you were the one that said, Hey, you know, I, I told you that I was using my alpha flies Mm -hmm. uh quite a bit and you were like joy you know save those for key sessions you Mm -hmm. know i wouldn't be doing your track sessions in those and and kind of you know let's get off of those um and once i did that my Achilles has gotten so much better. I'm using my trainer shoes now, you know, so much more and just saving those. And so that was huge, right? That was huge. And that's, that's one of the really cool things about being part of our community. So, you know, at the end here, you can figure out how to join waterfall and be a part of us. But uh, we really appreciate you guys helping us out and, um, you know, being part of the community. So thank you so much. And we will catch up with you later, Jeannie.
3: Absolutely. I would just say that, yeah, if anyone has any more questions, they can reach out to me or my husband, Justin Metzler, directly. We're happy to answer any questions. Um, And yeah, just I would say good luck to everyone racing at the World Championships next weekend. Um, Just enjoy the journey and um, yeah, just Focus on things to be grateful for because the sport is uh, really a, a privilege. And yeah, I I wish you a safe and happy race. <laughs>
0: Thank you so much. Yeah, we get to do this. That's what I tell myself during the race. I get. To, I, I chose to put myself through this pain. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh goodness. Well, thanks so much, Jeannie. Talk to you later. Okay. So before we jump into the mindset minute, I want to give a shout out to some of our team members. Rick Enthoven had a great Arizona 70.3. I know it was a big comeback race for him. He PR'd on his bike and he PR'd on the run. Also, big shout out to our pro, Justin Metzler, for getting second at Waco 70.3. Uh, great job, Justin. And, you know, I threw out to our community. I would love to highlight you. So please, if you're on the Discord, go ahead, send me a DM. Let me know how you do in your races because we would love to brag on you. Well, I'm going to close it out with our Mindset Minute. And I hope you enjoyed the episode. I loved Hearing uh, Jeannie's just take of the course. And I have to tell you, after I interviewed her, I went and I just for fun looked up her times and it was mind blowing, you guys. I think it was like a 26 minute swim, a 220 bike split on that course, you know, with Snow Canyon and everything. And then the run, the run was like a 613 uh, mile pace. And that course last year had that one hill, especially that we did twice. I can't even fathom uh, keeping that pace on on that course. So, 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 so impressive. But uh, what it did for me, though, was, you know, once I looked at her times, it really made me circle back and look at my goals for the upcoming race and be like, wow, you know, it's so pedestrian in comparison. And in a way, that kind of helps my mindset because instead of looking at what my goal is for the race as, oh, I don't know, like, this is going to be challenging. I hope I can step up and do this. It kind of made me feel more like my goal is pedestrian and I should expect nothing less of myself. And there's just, I think, something magical when you switch and make it seem, you know, a little bit more doable. I think you approach it with so much more confidence and you end up expecting more of yourself. And chances are, when you expect more of yourself, you're gonna step up to the plate. So uh, I am headed finishing up at my medical conference and then headed on to uh, the world championship hoping to catch some of the pros there and some of the other athletes participating and we'll give you a, a race recap and an almost live version of the 70.3 world championship so stay tuned. Well, thanks for joining us today on our Waterfall Racing Podcast. Hopefully there were some good takeaways for you and hopefully it gave you a little bit more insight into who we are. If you would like to find out more or join our community, go to waterfallracing.com. You can find us on Instagram as well. If you have a mailbag question that you would like us to answer, send me a DM at jmcadams5 on Instagram. We'll be answering some of those questions in future episodes. And remember when it comes to training. Sometimes it's just about showing up. I love the mantra anything's better than nothing. Not every session is going to go perfect, but show up. Consistency is always king. Happy training. Well, I am here at the 70.3 World Championship Waterfall Meetup. Super excited to have here. We have Jason George with us, who you've heard a lot from him. He's been awesome helping. And we have Andre and Rachel. And I wanted to catch Rachel right before race day. We've been talking about the course, really excited. Uh, And we saw her, you know, do well earlier this year, get on the podium. And that's what qualified her to be at this race. So, Rachel, just starting off, what are your feels going into this race?
1: Oh man, I am a lot of feels, but mostly just grateful that I have the opportunity to do this because I mean at the beginning of the year it was not something that I really had on my radar. It was kind of just a thought in the back of my head and to be able to come back that first race like literally the actually the first race back from surgeries in a 70.3 was the best race and that's what got me here and I feel like it's just good vibes for me to just come and experience this and just have that full circle kind of closure from surgery <laughs> and you
0: know it's awesome because i think you're gonna enjoy it with so much gratefulness and that's what we see happen when you go through injury you're like i'm just excited to get out here and race and uh, i mean it, it but it feeds a lot of your strengths i mean the swim it's a, gonna be a great swim the bike course you're gonna take you you trained here right tell us about you had a training camp earlier in the year
1: yeah. So since the full was here earlier in the year, we um, a bunch of our team had, you know, was racing the full. And so we decided to do our early year camp here. And so literally, I mean, every single ride was on the course, no matter where we went beginning of the course, into the course. So um, I know the bike course upside down inside and out and I think that gives me a little bit of um, just kind of confidence like knowing what's coming and knowing that I've done it and I had you know it was just a really strong camp for me and I think that kind of you know those vibes from the camp really helped to To kind of feel that confidence on the course and something that you don't quite get all the time you know with a with a world championship to be able to come here very easily spend two weeks here and um I was literally just starting I think I did my first like somewhat long run at eight miles here but so the run will be different but I think it's just having that kind of you know i it feels like almost like hometown because i spent so much time here and that's i think you know makes it a little bit more special than just a regular you know pop off the line 70.3
0: we're so excited to see you go on friday um we're just like this is we're having this coffee meetup on wednesday so we are literally almost into race week um, on race day eve uh it's gonna be so fun we're here at the farmstead and we are um we kind of tore it up here today (laughs) we got all the goodies and uh, and then I'll hear Jason George real quick. He's, he's at all these races, so we can't ignore him. Jason, are you excited about this?
2: Absolutely, Joy. I mean, it's St. George is a magical place. Been here a couple of times before, so looking forward to going up Snow Canyon and uh, seeing what the body can do. I'm three weeks out of Kona, so, you know, not sure, but I feel like the, the body's
0: recovered well, and we're going to knock it out. And then, Andre, you're just race support. That's a hard job, though. What are your plans to be the best Sherpa ever? That's the hardest job of the week, the weekend. <laughs> it's harder to, to be the race supporter than the, to race. Racing is fun. Uh, now, yeah, jokes apart, I'm just going to here support the team, waterfall. I have a coach, some coach Atlas Atlas here as well. And of course, Rachel. I think this is the first time I'm supporting one
1: of her races, so uh, it's a big job. Can, I cannot uh, mess it up.
0: <laughs> and
2: Rachel's like, it's about time. <laughs> All right, well, we'll catch up with you later.